You're listening to Sci-Fi Fans, the podcast. Sci-Fi Fans is available as a TikTok channel as well as a YouTube channel. Thank you very much for joining me and enjoy the episode. Hi and welcome back to Sci-Fi Fans, I'm Wayne and my science fiction books Broken Ceasefire and Xander Salvation are available on the Amazon Bookstore under my author name of W.A. Blinko. Check out the link below for more information. Now, my passion for films doesn't just stop with science fiction. My second favourite film of all time incorporates one of my favourite cars as well. Released in 1969, The Italian Job has been remade once with rumours of a sequel never too far away. The Italian Job is about a criminal called Charlie Croker, played by Michael Caine, and he's offered the chance of a heist organised by one of his friends. Once he leaves prison, the, uh, the heist is to take place in Italy. The cast is full of British actors, and I've already mentioned Michael Caine, but here are the others. Noel Coward, Benny Hill, Margaret Bly, Harry Baird, and Brian Cox. The film wouldn't be the film, of course, without those uh, three Mini Coopers. Now, surprisingly, or unsurprisingly, if you know anything about BMC, the British Motor Corporation, that is, they refused to donate any cars to the film, not realising or not really bothered by the effects or the advertising possibilities that the film was offering. Fiat, however, did recognise this opportunity and they offered director Peter Coulson as many cars as he wanted, including Fiat 500s instead of the Mini. But he declined the offer as the film is quite essentially Britain versus Europe. Fiat did, however, supply top-of-the-line Lamborghinis and Ferraris plus a cash payment of $50,000. Now, ironically enough, though, the uh, film Britain, Britain Against Europe, the stunt drivers were actually French and they worked for a company called Remy, Remy Julian's team. The first car our hero gets into is the Pakistani ambassador's car, stolen, of course, by his girlfriend. The car that they used in this scene, though, really was genuinely the Pakistani's ambassador's car at that time. When Charlie Croker goes to pick up his car from the garage, the owner is played by John Clive and this scene was totally improvised by the two of them and that is why the lighting doesn't always appear to be set up properly as the crew just didn't really know what was going to happen. Tony Beckley played the character Camp Freddy and this is believed to be the first time that the term camp was used to describe anyone who was gay. Unfortunately this would prove to be Noel Coward's last film. He was unwell at the time of filming and had problems learning his lines and his mobility as well. So his long-term partner, Graham Payne, was given a cameo as Mr Bridges' assistant. This was also to help him overcome those problems and just really to give him a bit of support whilst he was on set. Noel Coward was paid £25,000 for just 10 days of work and so that he didn't pay any UK taxes on it, all of his filming was completed in Dublin. Now as I mentioned just a second ago Noel Coward was in poor health and the triumphant scene that sees him walking through the prison at the end of the film was actually filmed in stages. So superstitions are a funny thing and we all have our own way of doing things with our own perspective on what brings us good luck or what can lead to bad luck. For director Peter Collinson his wife Lisa Shane was always in his films and he done that as something to give him good luck. 
She appears in The Italian Job in the scene with the Mafia having dinner and she is the blonde wife of the visiting Americans. She was a last minute addition though because Collinson was only being sent tall dark Italian models and he felt the part should have been played by a short blonde woman. Her nickname that he had, or the nickname that he had for her was Hazel and she is also referenced when Charlie Croker starts getting the equipment out from under his bunk I think for when he wants to visit Mr Bridger in prison. If you pay close attention he calls the axe handle Hazel so that's a direct reference to um, to the director's missus. Corson also has um, a cameo appearance himself as the man leaning out the back of the motor coach and directing the minis on board because they struggle to find somebody to do it. The original screenplay for The Italian Job was set in London and the intention of it being a TV show. There is a book novelisation that has a totally different ending to what the film has. According to the book, the heist goes successful, as it does in the film, but they get back to England and Mr Bridger. Mr Bridger then tells them to take the gold back to where they got it from. And I could actually see him doing that. Um, I'm going to now talk a bit more about the cars as well as other trivia because I've mentioned the actors a little bit, so here goes. The silver Aston Martin DB4, which is pushed off a cliff by the Mafia bulldozer, was actually a fake one. They didn't push a genuine Aston Martin off the cliff, although they did trash the Jaguar E-Type, which got totally smashed up and it was completely restored, believe it or not. The restoration finished in the 1990s. The rooftop racetrack, which is how they get away as part of the Fiat, was part of the Fiat factory. The factory itself was completed construction in 1923. The track measures 1,680 feet by 260 feet and the building is five storeys tall. I think it's now shopping centre, though you can still use the test track if you, I suppose, if you get permission and they do track days up there. Now, um, the cars are definitely just a bigger star as the actors, but did you realise that Michael Caine, he hadn't actually passed his driving test at the time of filming, and that is why you never see him drive any of these exotic cars. It's more of an assumption, and the assumption is made because when we see him go to the garage to pick up his Aston Martin, the next scene we see him, he arrives outside the hotel. The Aston Martin itself, though, is stationary. So Michael Caine, um, though he can also be heard at the end, and it's part of the choir singing Get a Blooming Move On at the uh, final credits. There is only one deleted scene for the Italian job, believe it or not, and this is where the minis and the police meet up at an ice skating ring. It's available on the Blu-ray and I think it might be also on the DVD as an extra if you want to watch it. Obviously there's YouTube where you can catch up on it there. I understand why they didn't take, why they didn't include this particular scene because it does slow down the pace of the film. Despite the choreography um, of the actual cars on the ice track, it's really well done, really well choreographed, put together. <laughs> um, I do understand why they took it out. So unlike modern films where there's so many deleted scenes and added extras, there will never be a director's cut of the Italian job because the footage just isn't there. This was essentially down to funding and the production crew were really tight on the budget, so they didn't waste any footage whatsoever. Director Peter Collinson didn't tell the authorities 
what he was um, doing with the staircase in the plaza. What he did tell them, and his explanation was, that they were using it for heavy machinery. I don't think they would have um, given him consent to drive three cars down that staircase had they have known. So probably a little bit of diplomacy going on there. In the um, final climatic, literally cliffhanger ending, the um, at the top of the road where this was filmed, it was a dead end and it led to a restaurant on top of a mountain. When they got there on the first day of filming, it was uh, a Saturday and the weather was bright, sunshine and really good. They um, And very hot as well. They got most of the footage done, but they needed to carry on filming. So when they went back the next day on Sunday, the road itself was actually much busier. And some of the drivers who got fed up waiting at the bottom beyond this police cordon actually broke through and then they had to abandon filming. They didn't have any luck for the next two weeks as the weather turned totally and it just consistently rained. They also had an issue because it was obviously getting a bit colder so the snow line started to come down the mountain and encroach on what they wanted to do and they actually had to clear snow from the roadways when they got back to doing the filming. The snow line itself came down the mountain by approximately 250 feet. Now the number plates on the car all reference something within the film if you pay close attention. The um, number plate on the limousine that takes Mr Bridger to the funeral is HMP1, which stands for Her Majesty's Prison. The three number plates on the minis also have uh, a little bit of significance to them. The red minis number plate HMP729G is a reference to Her Majesty's Prison as well as Charlie Croker's prison number. The white mini GPF146 G is a reference to the Grand Prix flag and this was refer referred to by Brickshaw played by Fred Emery. The blue mini is LGW809G and this references the flight number that the gang would have taken if they'd been successful. LGW references London Gatwick and the uh, flight number, the digits, is the number of the flight that they'd have to have caught. When they weren't filming um, they actually have an yeah, when they were filming they didn't actually have an ending for it so this was left to Paramount Pictures to create one. The main crew and writers hated what they were coming up with so they left it up to the second unit to finish the job. Some of the traffic scenes around the uh, square in Turin were genuine traffic. The crew actually blocked off some of the roads and they didn't let the Italian drivers know what was going on so some of them became naturally enough very annoyed and they never realised what was actually going on. The Chinese plane that delivers the gold is a very rare aircraft actually. There are only 14 of them that were built. It is a Douglas C-74 Globemaster transporter plane. And for the sewer scenes, they used a camera that was attached to the back of a mini moak. Despite numerous efforts to get one of the minis to roll the full 360 around the sewer pipe, 99% of these attempts ended in failure. The one time that they attempted it and managed to successfully complete the barrel roll, the camera wasn't rolling. Um, and that was the only stunt that defeated René. Everything else he wanted to do and complete for the film he managed. And so I think that's probably just one, one regret for that. 
that's where I'm going to draw this episode to a conclusion. Thank you very much for joining me. And uh, yeah, I'll see you next time. Cheers. Before I go, I'd just like to mention that I have a YouTube channel, Sci-Fi Fans, and TikTok channel, Sci-Fi Fans. I also have a website where you can find out about my latest projects and more about my books. And that's wayneblinko.com. W-A-Y-N-E-B-L-I-N-K-O dot com. And uh, yeah, that's just where I'm going to wrap up this episode. Thank you very much for listening. And I look forward to seeing you on the other platforms. And um, yeah, take care of yourselves. Until next week. Bye.